Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. Today on the podcast, we are talking about determining your destination, really for your ministry, for your church, as we look at silos in ministry and maybe some other hindrances that keep us from developing alignment and communicating from ministry to ministry to have a successful handoff. And really to to think through, last time on the podcast, we discussed uh, maps and menus, and, and we've talked about that before at length. But what we want to do is really put into practice how do we do anything about it? You know, it's one thing to sit and listen and drive, you know, perhaps you're driving into work or you're out on a run or you're sitting on an exercise bike or you're mowing your lawn. I don't know what people do when they listen to podcasts. That's typically what I'm doing. One of those three, not running, um, uh, but one of the others. But you're thinking, yeah, we've got a menu. <laughs> you know, what, what now? What now? So the exercise was, you know, look at your ministry and determine, do you have a map or a menu? Are you, is your ministry consisting of a map or a menu? And we begin to get into the topic of siloed ministries and how that can hinder the process. Yeah. Well, and I would say many of many of us listening, many of you listening, uh, are probably in that menu state because I was there before, a pastor church before. Most churches you've inherited or become the successive pastor or the succession pastor uh, are menu driven churches. Why? Because that was the model to grow a mega church, right? And, and let's be honest, that was the model everybody wanted. Let's grow a mega church. We were taught that in the '80s and the '90s. Become a, uh, you, you built a church to become a community hub. Yeah. With and, and some right thinking here, man. We want to offer our community all these great things. We have a fitness center. Mm. We've got a. Some churches have a bowling alley. I wish that was a joke. It's not. Uh, Come on. Some churches have you know uh, a cafe, a, <laughs> a bookstore. I mean, they're all there. So so you have all these things that you offer. And uh, and and by offering them, you're thinking the community will come to us and we can share the gospel with them. So it's not necessarily a bad initial thought, but the problem is it created mm-hmm. uh, what we're talking about. It created something that didn't deliver effective ministry. Yeah. It may have gathered a crowd, but even now, I would say even now, it's not gathering a crowd anymore. You know what's interesting? Okay, so let's pick up that mega church model. What, how have we gotten here where years ago when I was in school, you know, and even before that, the model for success was to grow a mega ministry, right? If you're not pastoring a mega church, and, and so we, we look to guys who are pastoring these large churches. Right. Okay, so the question is, and this is the question we've asked, how have we gotten there to this model? Because let's be honest, the mega church model, how often does it work? What uh, percentage? Not, not often. <laughs> okay, okay, here's, yeah. How many churches in America are mega churches? That's a good question. I'm hoping you have the answer because yeah. I don't. No, that's true. Mega, <laughs> so let's define the mega church is the church over two thousand. Yeah, two thousand or, or larger. Or is, larger is def- and that's weekly attendance. Mega not, church, not membership because you can't. So right. The FBI couldn't worship. find yeah. half those people. Right? So. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, yeah. You, maybe you've served a church that had 50,000 members. Yeah, no, I know a church and like that. They're still that, telling people that, that, that too. Up. It's yeah. like, uh, yeah, we've got 50,000 on the roll. Okay, how many show up? Well, I think it's like 1,800. That's ah, a little different. Okay, here's the thing. No, we're not going to talk about that. Here's the thing. How have we gotten here where we are telling seminary students, bivocational pastors, current pastors, you need to grow a mega church, which only works, you ready for this, 1% of the time. Mm. One percent of churches in the yeah. in America, maybe in the world, are mega churches. Okay, yeah. so what we're saying is, if that's the model, ninety nine percent of the time, it's not going to work for you. Now, here's the question: <laughs> yeah. that's, that's true. Think about this. How have we gotten here? If you study the twentieth century, uh, there was a study done a while back by Christianity Today, and they surveyed and polled um, hundreds and thousands of people to find out the top books that shaped the Christian mind for the 20th century, okay? Mm. What, were the, what were the top books that shaped the mind of Christians in the 20th century, okay? Number three, let's see if you can figure this out, drum roll. Uh, number three, I'm gonna throw out, the, I think I kinda know, so I'm gonna throw out something by C.S. Lewis. Oh, you got it, you nailed it. You may have heard, he may have heard this talk before. I may have. <laughs> I may have heard me talk about You may have heard me about this. You may have heard me talk about this before. But okay, number two, you ready for this? So number three is C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity, no brainer. We figured. By the way, if you haven't read it, it is excellent. It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. I think it's foundational. Okay, number two. Now you would think at this point, purpose driven church, purpose driven life. That's what I would think. No, not that. Number two is a book on prayer by someone named Rosalind. You may remember this uh, book. I don't remember this Rosalind book. Rosalind Rinker. Ro- Rosalind Rinker. I, yeah, Rosalind Rinker. Yeah. I've never read it, but I I know that it's a... It's, it's, Rosalind Rinker, that's right. Okay. That's you, right. Okay, you ready for this, though? The number one book that shaped the mind minds of Christians in the 20th century. It's not G.K. Chesterton works. No, but that actually is a good book, though. It, Tough uh, read, a say, good book. Yeah. I, that's what I would assume would be there. Yeah. Is it... Uh, is it Pursuit of Holiness. That'd be a good book. That's another great book. The Master Plan of Evangelism. <laughs> Goldmine. I mean, I'm throwing some books out there yeah, that you're I right. would put on that You're show. right, but none of those. Something you're like ready? Tozier. Tozier or Tozer? I think it's Tozer. Tozier. I don't think he has toes. I don't think it's Tozer. I think we need to go with Dylan on I this. I think it's Tozer, but Dylan che- fact-checked that. It's spelled Tozer, but I say Tozer. Tozer. So I okay. could be way wrong. <laughs> Could be giving him a... I'm throwing an eye well, he's, Yeah, he's across the pond, so I guess you're thinking... One thing I know is it's not him. That's, he's not the one who wrote this book. Are you serious? I no, it's not Tozer. That's right. Okay, you got me all confused. The number one book, okay, that shaped the minds of, of Christians of the 20th century, okay, was a book called Church Growth by Donald McGavern. McGavern, okay? Yes. Now, think about that. If that book was the number one book in the 20th century, then everybody it's was- It's kind of mind-blowing, I just got to say. Yeah, was racing- to build this mega church that only works 1% of the time. Now, here's the thing. I'm not discounting a mega church. I'm not downplaying a mega church. Right. We're, we're a part of a mega church. I'm not downplaying that. But here's mega what I'm church, I, good. That's what I heard you yeah, say. Yeah. I'm not saying there a mega church is bad, but here's what I'm saying. Most people grow a mega church through addition of programs. Mm. Okay. So everybody adopted this model. Back in the 60s and 70s, particularly the 80s, of just adding ministries to an already busy ministry programized schedule. Okay. Yeah. So, okay, we're going to do children's ministry. Great. We're going to do VBS. Okay. Oh, no, we cannot do, we can't not do uh, Awanas or GAs and RAs. GAs and RAs. Yeah. Oh, 
Yeah, all those programs and back your Bible clubs, back and then we got Bible this club. thing, and then we got uh, you know studies VBS, on on Monday, camp. Sunday morning, and then we got Sunday night studies, and then we got Wednesday studies, and then we got devotional. I mean, so you just keep adding, and so we got children's ministry, or student ministry. We got to do disciple nails, right? We got to do that every spring, and then we have to do summer camp, man. We and then what about choir tour? We got choir tour, and then fall retreat, man. Fall what retreat. about that? And then senior out. I mean, is you just get event? Yeah, maybe throw a lock in in there just to make things. Extremely what about the miserable? lock? You can't forget the lock in. Okay, so it's a <laughs> Event after event after event. Right. And here's what happens. Your ministry doesn't become a map to grow people spiritually. Don't miss this. Your ministry becomes a menu of items mm-hmm. where you're managing spreadsheets of numbers right. to have people go in what I call the the, the the two or three hump camel of ministry. Yeah. Okay. What do I mean by the, the the two or three hump camel? Meaning that you you have a hump or a raise and increase of people at an event. D nail your attendance goes through the roof and a hump of a camel and then comes back down and it's kind of normal. But you're always not growing people spiritually. You're always moving people to the next event. This is most student ministry. Yeah. If we're just going to be honest, it's it's not. What is the spiritual condition of your soul before God? And are you growing? Chris, are you more closer to Christ today than you were yesterday? That's not what we're asking students. We're telling students the next event and bringing someone with you. That's it. And the challenge is that creates a consumer mindset. Yes. Come experience the thing. Come consume the things we have for you. And by consuming the greatest stuff, you're going to pick us over everybody else because we've got the best worship. We've got the best events. All your best friends are coming here. We create that culture. Then they leave the church at 18. They don't come back. And we think, what happened? Yeah. Why aren't they? Why aren't they? Why are they leaving our church? No, we're not saying we don't want to do big events. Don't hear what we're not saying. We we want to do an, an event to reach as many people as possible right. with the gospel. But every event we do at Long Hollow, don't miss this. This is the big, this is the, the, the big important piece of shifting from menu yes. to map. Yes. Here's the big piece. Every event we ask this question, you ready for this? I know it's profound, but here it is. What next? <laughs> simple. It's profound. It's not profound. It's simple. Okay. <laughs> that, that was a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> but here's the point. The point is we say, okay, let's do this event. We're going to put X amount of women in our worship center for a women's event. Praise God. What next? What are we trying to move these women to do? Is it just to come and be encouraged? Well, great. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can be encouraged by a lot of things. But are we bringing, you know, 1,500 women to an event, for example, and are we moving those women to take the next step in their spiritual journey, mm-hmm. albeit be a member of Long Hollow, albeit yeah. be a life group, albeit be in a, in a D group? Sure. But we're asking them, what step are you on? Take the we, next yeah, step in your spiritual help them journey. We through a process of spiritual growth that helps them grow spiritually, not just get them to another event. So Dude. when you say what next, you're not saying what ne- what's the next event. No, 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 no. What's the next event? Oh, right. hey, don't miss our summer yeah. spring fling. We're fling. announcing don't our miss. next event yeah. after this oh, event. Oh, my God. Okay, don't get me so. But here's the thing. And it just, it just has me thinking right now. When Jesus called the disciples, this is what we have to understand. The Christian life is a walk, okay? Mm-hmm. Everything God does, God's a walker. Did you know this? I've read that somewhere. He is a walker, okay? <laughs> God, Jesus didn't say to the disciples, drop your nets and come sit with me. Hmm. 
you would think he would have. He's a rabbi. He teaches. Yeah. He loves to teach, right? He didn't say, drop your nets, come sit with me. What did he say? Drop your nets and what? Come follow me. Come follow me. That word in Hebrew or Greek in the Greek, you can translate that word into this idea of come walking or come following me, come walk with me, okay? Mm -hmm. So the Christian life is a walk. Now let's think about it. It started all the way back at the beginning mm. with Abraham. But before we get into this, we need to take a break. We need to take a break. And we'll be right back. Have you been looking for a way to train your church to make disciples? Our team here at Replicate, Robbie Gallaty, Candy Gallaty, Tim LaFleur, Gus Hernandez, and myself, Chris Swain, have put together a digital discipleship blueprint. We've taken our live event that thousands have attended, thousands have been impacted by, and we've put it together so that you can get it and watch from the comfort of your own church and show this to your people and use it as a training tool. You will learn how to plan, formulate, and develop a disciple-making culture in your church and its ministries. You can check it out at replicate.org slash buy blueprint, B-U-Y blueprint, replicate.org slash buy blueprint. If you'd like to check out the digital discipleship blueprint. And we're back. What is it that we were getting into? We're talking about Jesus walking. We're talking about this journey. We're talking about this process. Yes. Continue. Elaborate. All right. Think about the, and this is just fueling the idea of this menu mentality and not this, I mean, this map mentality and not a menu. In order to go on a walk, you need a what? Shoes. A map. Oh, okay. no, you do need shoes, but they didn't have shoes. <laughs> Sorry. No. See, I'm thinking process driven. What's the very. They first may have had stuff? Nike flip flops back then. I don't know, but they probably didn't have shoes. Sandals. Sandals. Yeah, they have flip flops. I was, or in, sandals. I was inferring sandals. Yeah, yeah, no. No, that, no, you need a map for a walk. Okay. That's right. You need to follow go? someone. You, right. need a, you need to have direction to follow. Okay. So God tells, think about that. Think about this. God tells uh, in Genesis, Adam, hmm. come walk with me. And it says he walked with God in the cool of the day. In the beginning of the Bible, mm. think about this. The Bible begins with God walking with someone. Wow. Then he goes to Abraham and he says, hey, you're going to follow me. But before I give you the whole plan in the playbook, you're going to have to take a long walk with your wife. And by the way, I'll let you know when you get there. That's pretty interesting. I think that's one of the greatest miracles, Dylan, of all the Bible. The fact that he convinced his wife to go on a trip with him and he didn't know where he was going. Moses walked around. I can't even get Candy to go to, you know, cross town with me. Where are we heading? I don't know. Well, let's turn around. Let me drop. You know I mean? That's the world I live in. But Abraham convinced his wife. But the thing about Moses, God says, hey, Mo, listen, big journey here, my friend. You're going to take about a million or two million Israelites on a long walk. Oh, by the way, it's going to be 40 years of walking. And the walking is the journey. The walking is is the is the refining that's the sanctification process it's not the destination it's mm. the journey then god uses joshua hey joshua here's the baton keep walking mm. keep walking okay and then we get to jesus and jesus building on the fathers before him and the leaders before him jesus comes on the scene and says hey come follow me and i'll make you fishers of men you know what he's saying come walk with me Mm. So why do we think the Christian life is a point or a stop, right? Yeah. This is what we've created. Come get saved. Come say a prayer. And by the way, once you're baptized, it's up to you, my friend. We'll see you next week. Whether you want to serve the Lord at that point, up to you. Mm. Whether you want to read your Bible, that's a choice. The spiritual disciplines are recommended but not required activities yeah. for the Christian life. So, the, so we've made the Christian life, you ready for this, a destination Mm. And we have hijacked what Jesus used in discipleship as a journey. 
Okay. So I want you to think back to our original discussion. I want you to think about your map versus a menu mentality. Okay. And and yeah. And we talked about silos and, and one of the things that I think we've got to, that's important is as you're looking at this map uh, or probably if you're looking at a menu of what you have in ministry, what keeps us separated from one another, you know, kids ministry from student ministry, student ministry from collegiate ministry, collegiate ministry from adult, you know, whatever the, whatever the pieces of your church look like, how those things are separate and how that can keep you from effectively doing ministry. And that's why we advocate for discipleship pathway. Everyone in the church is on the pathway regardless. And we're trying to help everyone move through it. So everything can filter together and work together to move families through that process. This is a long discussion. We don't have obviously a lot of time, but I will tell you this. Just you have thinking, three more minutes. Okay, perfect. I'm going <laughs> to do an hour and a half discussion in three no, minutes. Let me just say, let me just tell you what, and, and, and a lot of this, we train pastors in our discipleship cohort. We do this all the time. We show them how to implement this model right. and then gauge effectiveness. But let me tell you what we do. We don't just manage or measure, watch this, mm. vertical growth. This is what I want you to get. And you know this. We don't just measure vertical growth, meaning we don't just measure attendance increase, which we do. We don't just measure increase in event uh, attendance, which we do. We don't just measure increase in summer camp participation. We do. So we do gather around. We look at reports and and go through those and say, okay, are we doing better than last time? At least in this, when you're saying vertical, you're saying more. That's what we do. And we do that. Attendance up. So we do that. Same thing every church does. Everything church, every church does that, but we're not stopping it. But this is what else we measure. And this is where I think a lot of churches kind of stop. We not only measure vertical growth, we measure horizontal assimilation. Horizontal assimilation. What do I mean? We not only determine how many people are increasing in the particular areas of ministry, worship, life group, D group, and service missions. We do measure those. But we also measure how people are cross-pollinating are growing, and you will, if you will, using the agricultural yeah. <laughs> idea, growing through moving through the discipleship pathway. Okay? Gotcha. So here's what we measure. What is the percentage of people who are in worship who are now in life group? And what percentage of people in life groups are now moving to D groups? And what percentage of people in D groups are on mission both locally yeah. serving in, in the community and globally serving overseas. And what happens is you have a multifaceted, multi-layered approach to measuring not not church metrics but biblical maturity because here's what we know. You have to trust the process, okay? Mm. If you remember um, Nick Saban this year um, taking his team for the what, 6 year not only do I remember it, I remember it well because he lost. And for yeah. me, it was like I had won somehow, even right. though I'm not a, a fan now, of Clemson. That's exactly right. I'm not a Clemson no fan either. To any of the Alabama yeah. fans? You out and there. I are now. Just to say for the record, Chris is an Arkansas fan. That's right. And you haven't had a winning season in a while. And I'm an LSU Maybe, fan. Yeah. And we've had decent seasons, but nothing to write home about. That's right. Nothing to write home about. Okay. So here's the thing: we're not bitter. We just don't like Alabama. No offense, but anyway. <laughs> but we do appreciate a good coach. Okay? That's right. And we do appreciate players playing at the top level. We're playing. We, we, we. He knows what he's doing, probably. Okay. Here, okay. <laughs> you want to know the Nick Saban system? You ready for this? This is how Nick Saban said he trains these players to be in the finals every year. You ready for this? He has a saying. It's called trust the process. Okay, so what he does is he builds in practice this process, this algorithm, this paradigm, Mm. and he tells them, I want you to just be systematic. If you do this and you move to this and you move to that, Mm. 
Mm. You're going to be a good player. Trust the process. Don't worry about the end result. Winning games, that's going to come. Trust the process. Wow. If we can move people from worship to life group and from life group to D groups and from D groups, they're going to change the world. Now, does it take a while to see that? Absolutely. But here's what I want to encourage you if you're listening. Trust the process. Hmm. Sadly, some of you probably don't have a process. So that's what we need to talk about in the days that what what is a process for making disciples yes. who then make disciples in our local church? We and I think that's the that question people want to hear. Absolutely. We'll talk about more of that. Implement. I'm enjoying listening to it. And it's us talking. So that may not be, I don't know if that's right. You're enjoying yourself talking. Okay, I see that. You know, it just gets me excited to know we're doing some good. Let's just check the fact checker. Okay, we know how to pronounce pronounce Tozer. Is it Towser? Most people say Tozer. Yes. I'm with most people, but But I'm not right. But it can also be Tozier. Tozier. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm moving to Tozier. Tozier. But, But you're saying Tozer is not one of the choices. That was not the most. Oh, my gosh. So I was thinking Tozer? Tozier. Golly. Hey, I, mean, I was totally wrong. I've got him right here. That would be like Galati. The Tozier pulpit. Most people call me. Right. In fact, I, we were at the Gats. conference yesterday. Somebody called me, pulled me aside. This guy and, and, the, and this girl work in this booth. They said, for the record, we're trying to debate. How do you say your name? Is it Galanty or Galati? I said, Galati. There's no N in Galati. Tozier doesn't have an I, but. True. We will wrap this up by reminding you we're friends and neighbors and part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. And we want to tell you about our friends at New Churches Q&A. Have you listened to New Churches Q&A podcast lately? If not, check it out. Yes. Uh, these guys are down under. And uh, that very means, good. Uh, no, wait, these guys are not down under. No, these guys. These guys are up over. Up over. This not is, down this under. is Ed This is not. This is Ed Stetzer. And his Daniel friends, Ed. Daniel M. Daniel M. And Todd Adkins. Wow. Those guys are all over the podcast verse. I mean, Ed Stetzer's all over the world. I mean, where is Ed? It's like, where's Waldo? You know, where's Ed? You know, <laughs> in a good thing. Ed's but, out there. But as, as a part of the network, the they gospel. are doing some great new church Q&A, answering question for new churches, for church plants. Uh, check it out when you get a chance, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org. You know, training your volunteers and leaders is important, but do you ever feel like you don't know where to start? That's why Lifeway Leadership developed Ministry Grid. With Ministry Grid's library of over 3,000 training videos, the work has been done for you, and you'll be able to train everyone in your church. And this is training you can trust. Every Ministry Grid video features an experienced ministry leader who has been where you are right now. You can also customize any training by adding notes, PDFs, YouTube videos, and more. And now Ministry Grid has one plan with one price that gives you unlimited access to train your entire church. Just go to ministrygrid.com to learn more. Once more, that is ministrygrid.com.